Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Infinite Journeys. As always, I am your host, Tony Z, joined by my co-host, Asher. Hey, glad to be here. Now, we're doing something a little bit differently this week. Usually we do a, I don't know, the weird news, weird gaming news, but I've got none of that because literally I was on 8750 podcast last night and all of the strange news from that would just be the same exact thing for this episode. So (laughs) I was just like, ah, we're just going to forgo it this week. Uh, We'll probably find something good for next week, so. Yeah, they update about like once a week. So that was why it kind of carried over between the two days. I didn't really see anything. But we do have a lot that we're going to talk about because we're going to be trying our best to dive into a little bit of Elden Ring lore today, which I've been pretty excited about. Yeah, diving in is an interesting way to say that because it's it's a really deep pool, but I'm not sure that's water. No, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's confusion for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's more of try to find as many items as you can and and find as much research as you can based off of the item descriptions. Yeah, it's kind of like putting together a puzzle. And I've left most of that to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've mentioned that on Twitter already. I was like, Asher did most of the research on this because Tony Z was too lazy to look anything up. <laughs> hey, I did what I can. We'll see how we got. I mean, I did, I looked up the description of the Bloodhound Fang, but I didn't write it down, so I've already lost what my one piece of lore was going to be for this episode. <laughs> so I was like, well, we're kind of screwed on that. But I was telling you earlier that I did find out there's a whole Bloodhound armor set. There sure is. So yeah. I can I can find a little thing here about the Bloodhound Knights. The The Bloodhound Fang is basically like this curved greatsword for anybody who's not, who's never played Elden Ring, and it's kind of what I've been using for my majority of my playthrough once I got it. You got it from defeating Bloodhound Knight Darawil, who was like a betrayer of... Oh, he's a betrayer for some reason. He betrayed Blade. Blade was the name? It's like a wolf uh, dude. I think it's Blythe. The, the double D is said kind of like a TH, I think. But it's... Yeah, he, he's a uh, big wolfman, like soldier. Heavy yeah, armor, really big cool. sword. Yeah, he, he's an awesome character. And he will actually, if you trigger that quest line, he will actually come and help you fight the Bloodhound Knight, which he did. He but, didn't do much because my I already had, I think at that time I was using the Lord Sworn Greatsword, so I already had that leveled up pretty high and I was able to take him down a few hits anyway. But a little bit of interesting lore, the only bit I could find about Bloodhound Knights is that they're trained as hunters and known to be unshakable trackers. And that without the use of language, eat night, eat, eat night. <laughs> already started Ah, the use of language i see each knight chooses his own master once the decision has been made the knight stays loyal for life so what was it blide i still want to say blade because i'm thinking of vampire hunter from marvel oh i understand uh i think it's blide blithe it's i'm not i've heard characters in game say it and every time i'm like man i wish there was a button to make you repeat that because i'm just not sure yeah i wonder if he was Darawil's master and Darawil betrayed him and that's why that quest line is triggered for him to like hunt him down and kill him well I'd be getting a little further ahead in the storyline but uh, Blythe has a master so oh, it's possible Darawil is under that person yeah maybe there's like multiple people under him and he sent him to go after him very interesting yeah these games I mean I said we were going to dive into lore but really it was going to be like what we can piece together as long right <laughs> these games are a lot of speculation in a lot of different areas so i want to throw well, that out there for people you were describing the sword what is it that makes this curved great sword different um well for me i know it's the main the main skill that you get with it 
it kind of does this swing and then an automatic like backflip out of the way. Yeah, it's very flashy. Um, yeah. Uh, every weapon comes with a weapon art on it. And some of them you can swap out and trade for like a kick or like an uppercut swing or, you know, multiple swings in a row. But that one has a, a it, you do, you have this like big sweeping swing into like almost like a backflip kind of evasion. Yeah, it's a, oh yeah, and it's capable of brutal airborne attacks. So a lot of your jumping attacks will do like extra damage. It, it's always cool it. to find something that has a very unique uh, style like that. It's fun to play with. You you feel like you're kind of just dancing around the field. Bloodhound's Finesse is the name of the weapon skill. Uh-huh. I had to look it up. <laughs> I was like, I can't remember these things. This is why you're supposed to take notes, Tony Z, and not be lazy when you're writing stuff down. <laughs> Do you remember where you found Darawill? Yeah, it was in Limgrave. But what was and it, it was uh It was one of the Evergals. Oh, it was Evergal. Hang on. I might be able to find this right quick. So that gal forlorn 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 hound ever gal. Yep, yep. Um, that's an old English spelling, from what I understand, of the word jail. Oh, so they're they're extra dimensional pockets. They're little prison cells. That makes sense because when you go in there, there's like this magic, like circular area around everything before mm-hmm. the boss shows up. And uh, when you you summon your your wolf companion there. He does mention that it's uh, even though he's a betrayer, rotting in a cell like this, it, you know, it shouldn't be this way. Yeah, when you first fight him, he's really creepy because he kind of like can vanish, and he also crawls on the ground like freaking the Exorcist. Yeah, he moves a lot like the uh, Boreal Knights in uh, uh, well, Boreal Raiders. If you've played Dark Souls three, you'd be familiar with uh, Vort who gets down on all fours and, you know, scoots around like that, but he's yeah, surprisingly so fast. Yeah. And that, yeah, I haven't played three yet. <laughs> As we know, Tony Z is still working on freaking Dark Souls 1 and basically now just translate over into Elden Ring because I couldn't keep up with the other ones. I'm I tried sure one slot three in there somewhere. Yeah, I tried one and then I was like, okay, I'll go in order because I heard that they somehow tie together, which I'll probably never really figure out without watching lore videos anyway. <laughs> so then I bought Dark Souls 2 last paycheck and like that one was taking me off. I was like, this is the hardest one I played. Aside from Sekiro, which we already know lasted me about two hours. <laughs> there are parts <laughs> of up. each of them that follow a formula. You know, uh, you're always the ashen one, the tarnished. For whatever yeah. reason, the player is always part of an undead race or an undying race. That's why you continuously come back. Yeah, I do uh, think that's a cool thing. Yeah, it... it and it's not something they push in your face. You know, I've played games where your character is like a zombie or, you know, literally just, you know, reincarnates every time or they just don't explain it. They're just like, oh, yeah, you just never seem to die, you know. Um, but this one does a good job of it because if you look for the reason, you're like, oh, OK, that's interesting. But it doesn't push it in your face or make it feel weird as to like why you're the only one coming back to life, you know. Yeah. And uh, I like that. I know in some of the older ones, they explain why there's multiple other people, too, because it's like everybody is doing the same thing, but it's like a multiverse kind of situation. So that's my biggest belief with Elden Ring. The, the world itself, where you're playing in, is called the Lands Between. And if that doesn't sound like, you know, being in the middle of uh, some kind of meta- metaverse. Yeah, or like know? a purgatory. Yeah, exactly. Kind of situation. Like, 
it, it, it feels like there should be doorways on all sides of different worlds. And uh, there are characters that you will run into multiple times, but their name will be slightly different. Or they, you know, they're invading you for some place, or you've killed them, and now they're invading you again. You know, they come in as like a red spirit. And it really makes me feel like there's either some kind of like time anomaly or you know this is like you said like a purgatory or you know the the center of a multiverse where everything's kind of converging some of those are the worst freaking fights in the game their mechanics are ridiculous yes how much they can dodge just consistently really annoys the crap out of me i've always found that i have the most trouble with regular player sized enemies yeah Uh, bloodborne had hunters that would have, you know, a, a range, like a, a pistol or a shotgun or something in the one hand, and then their hunting tool, you know, in the other. And I struggled with them so often. Thankfully, though, most of them, when you defeated them, they stayed gone, unlike all the other enemies. So they were almost like mini bosses. But uh, like, if I saw one down a hallway, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's down that hallway, but I don't need it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't blame you. The other thing that I really I get annoyed with in Elden Ring the most is those freaking dragonflies. <laughs> those things are so hard to hit. <laughs> they drive me nuts. Oh, uh, yeah. I, uh, I've i been uh, playing a new character, and I, I've started a couple different ones. And, like, recently one of my, you know, favorite victories was I took out the uh, tree set, like, level 25. Which nice. for some people is, you know, going to be like, oh, wow, that's, that's really high level. And other people are going to be like, wow, I'm still struggling with them, you know? Yeah, like me. But, <laughs> I mean, I finally killed him with my main character, but I haven't fought him with any of my other builds yet. Right. Uh, so I did that, and I was like, all right, I'm feeling pretty squirrely. I'm going to go fight the dragon. So I go over there, and I'm fighting the dragon. And I died once because a dragonfly knocked me off my horse. Yep. <laughs> and I died again because I was trying to drink from my flask, and a dragonfly hit me and interrupted me. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I know the dragon fire and like tail attacks and stuff hit you guys and should yeah. kill you guys. But like this one dragonfly was just hanging around like, yeah, I'm here to ruin your day. That happened to me today. I was I was in. Um, We're not going to talk about where. OK, we should we should focus in at one point. We're going to say that this first part of whatever the Lord we're doing is covering the first area, which is Limgrave. Yes. We wanted to make sure we we narrow that down so these lore episodes will probably be multiple parts and hopefully i'll get better research so that future episodes will be better well and the, but, they will expand as we go because we'll have more knowledge of things and like yeah we don't want to move into the next area and start covering stuff and you know it's it's a weird zone because you know you don't want to spoil things for people the game's been out for a little while there are people yeah. that are like working on speed running it but there are also people that are like on their like eighth day of playing and they're just getting through castle Stormvale, you know? So it's like, yeah, that's why we're not covering, like we're covering some of the lore, but we're trying not to cover like main story elements until, I don't know, we eventually do like a review episode or something <laughs> of the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. We'll touch on some names and stuff, but like a lot of things like that I have to talk about are going to be things that like you probably missed in the opening video you know or you know a couple of things right at the very beginning of the game that you're like oh yeah i talked to that guy i totally forgot about him you know yeah and limgrave is uh, the first area of limgrave is massive but most people have probably moved on past it by now yeah i will say limgrave is larger than some other games yeah i think every like 
every area of this game is like larger than an entire game of other games. Yeah, there are definitely some that are. There, there are a few that are a little smaller, but the number of times as you're playing through uh, Elden Ring that you will just go, there's more map? Wait, yeah, there's more? You know? And it doesn't even give you like a set, like you, you don't get like a completion percentage or something. You, you log out after you're done playing and it's not like, oh, you're 42% through the way uh, through the game. Nope, yep. you have no idea. You, you, at any point, you could be like, oh, this next corner is the final boss? I would have no idea. Yeah, you just stumble across it and then die, and then you're like, I don't think I'm supposed to be here yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the dragonflies, the thing that happened to me earlier today that I was getting into right before we dived super deep into the lore was I was fighting one of those, I don't know what they're called, but it's those like T-Rex-looking things with the werewolves' heads. Uh, I think everybody's been calling them uh, T-Rex dogs. In, yeah, in I mean that's that's what yeah, and Caleb. Yeah. I was fighting one of them, and what got me killed was a freaking ram attacking <laughs> me at the same time. And yeah. it, like it just hit me enough to daze me for that thing to chop me. I was so mad that when I went back and killed that thing, I killed like every ram in that vicinity. I was so angry. Yeah, it's it's surprising how little damage it takes to interrupt you, you know, drinking your your flask or readying attack or God forbid you're jumping and something hits you hard enough to lay you out on your back. That's so uh, that animation is so slow yeah, to get you, back up. Your character is not in a hurry to get up. It's Monday morning and they've been laying in a warm bed is what it looks like. Same thing if you get knocked off the mount, yep. which I hate because you were just there forever and they've got about... Of course, that could work to your advantage. I've realized now once you've knocked... Once you take the horses out from under a lot of those knights, then while mm -hmm. they're laying on the ground, you could just attack them still. Yep. Which is uh, worse to your advantage too, but... There are some heavy attacks that will just straight up dismount them. And if you oh, parry nice. them in the middle of an attack, you can dismount them instantly. That's pretty cool. I'll tell you what I got excited about was I I was going back through all the weapons I've collected in a game, and then I realized that I actually had this Wii Hander. Oh, yeah, which yeah. Is, which is also the very good weapon that you can pick up in the graveyard in the first Dark Souls. Yeah, that's made its appearance through all of them, I think. It's, it's a fan favorite. Um I didn't use it in any of the other ones because um, I mostly played uh, three in Bloodborne. And, you know, yeah. it might not have been in Bloodborne. And three, you had to like farm like a very specific couple of guys for it. And I was like, I don't have the the, the, the drop rate's just not there for me. I'm not having the luck, so I moved on. But I always loved the style of that weapon. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really big and heavy but i've got a couple like huge great swords that i'm working towards really wanting to use like i got that grafted great sword oh yeah. taking out that boss i'm like i really want to use that but i need a strength of like 40 for that thing <laughs> i mean it's like a hundred swords all melded together so it makes sense that it's that heavy yeah i'm like there's a reason why these ones are called colossal great swords <laughs> yeah yeah, the Zweehander is the one that I can use, and I I mess with it a little bit. Still, I like my blood hang a little bit, but my blood hang, my blood fang a little bit better right now because I think it's at a either a plus five or a plus six. So obviously the damage output on that thing is a little bit yeah. higher because I think my Zweehander is at plus two. But I did take out a couple of those dudes with it, and on like the third swing of that thing, I literally just send the people flying when it connects. It but was pretty funny. That is the nice thing with the different weapon categories, like your your blood fang, you know, curved great sword. It's a heavy hitter, but it's yeah. the curved great sword. You know, whereas if you go with the colossal weapon, you know, like the Zweihander, uh, then you know it's it just it's got a little more punch to it. It's slower. You know, the swings take more of a wind up, 
but that's you know coming down to your timing yeah and once i start leveling that thing up i'm gonna be real interesting to see if it actually surpasses my blood fang i might and then uh don't forget to check your weapon arts you know because you can change yeah. the scaling you know make it a standard uh quality keen and sometimes a weapon may start out uh looking like it's a strength weapon but it actually goes really well with dexterity that's what the blood fang does i realized that it level that it gets better with dexterity over strength yeah yeah i noticed that today because i love like i was leveling up my strength so i can make start making because i think my strength is 24 my dexterity is 23 currently because i respect so my health is like 33 (laughs) i was like i need more health yeah so i I respect that and then i was kind of working those back up but yeah i realized that the the blood fang i get more if i put into dexterity like it was like two points more if i was to level up my dexterity than my dexterity i cannot talk tonight (laughs) (laughs) what's going on uh one thing i had been doing throughout the week is i had been um activating those uh summoning pools have you activated those no because i've been playing offline oh okay okay i didn't want to get invaded by other players because i can't manage with that (laughs) so here's the nice thing with that if you're online no one can invade you oh really unless you ask for a cooperator so you'll never be invaded on your own oh nice okay yeah so you 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 can go over and you can actually like you can pick the red summoning signs and call in an invader. Right. You can use an item that you get later on in the game that will allow invaders to uh, invade you on your own. But you would have to have multiple people in your game. So you'd have to have at least one other cooperator to be invaded. Okay. Yeah, I like that then. Because I wouldn't mind summoning like a person's... Like I know in the in the other games you could almost summon like NPCs without it actually having to be a person. I did that once in Elden Ring. Yeah, you can one do of the that. early boss fights. Yeah, you can do that for sure. Uh, and then um, once you get to the the hub, you can pick up a uh, set of uh, items that you can toggle on and off. One it makes you a blue summon. So whenever someone does get invaded, if you're in the region, it'll summon you to their world to defend them interesting and the other one is a white one that it makes you call in the blue summons so you can have somebody on your team you get invaded and when the invader comes in it starts searching for a blue nearby you to pull in too so it can go from you know you and your buddy versus the one invader to now you have you know uh, one or two extra guys when you know the blues start coming in that's kind of cool. Yeah, see, I didn't know much about the multiplayer. I just knew that people could invade, and I was like, I don't want to screw with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I played almost all of uh, Dark Souls 3 online, and there were a couple spots where I had to turn off multiplayer because there was just a dude that was just hanging out. I was already struggling with the zone, but he just was sitting there just hitting the invade button over and over and over. Yeah. And he'd just come in and just mop the floor with me. And I'm like, and it, like... I, I fought you the first couple times. And then the second and third time you showed up, I just turned around and sat down. And then the fourth time you showed up, I took off all my armor and I ran up and I punched you with my bare fist. Like you, you sh- at some point you should get out the hint that like, I, this just isn't like, I'm not going to put up a fight for you, you know? Yeah. But, and there eh. are some people there that just do not care. They just want to endlessly slaughter like people like me. That would be new to the game. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that don't know what's going on. And then that, that would have, probably make a lot of people never play again yeah uh then that's why I, I do think their pvp change was for the better with this one uh it is a nice uh, quality of life 
and you can still you know play with friends and stuff i think you can even password lock so it's just you and you yeah, know, the other person that. so that would be cool because i'm trying to get my friend uh well it goes by twisted joker i'm trying to get him to uh, he just got his xbox finally so i'm trying to get him to, at some point to get the game he's a little bit scared about buying it but i was like well if we co-op it maybe he'll give it a chance but I don't know. He tends to get just as mad as I do. So having both of us mad at the game at any given time could be a bad situation. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what happens. If I remember right, having a co-op uh, does increase the enemy's health. But yeah, I would you're also that. doing a ton more damage because there's two of you. But there are a lot of items that, you know, uh, they're incantations and stuff that can um, buff multiple people you can heal others with some spells yeah. there's some armor pieces uh there's there's one chest piece in particular that heals people around you but not yourself so as you guys are exploring you can just kind of be like you know healing up and you know getting ready for the next fight yeah and early on for him having me already at the level i'm at would obviously help him immensely in the beginning of the game <laughs> yeah and if there's some weapon that he was interested in but like it, it, there are restrictions like you can't drop them like a boss weapon and stuff like that but right you know if you just happen to have like a flail and he finds the flail in that, that first big camp and he's like man i would love to have two of these you can drop it for him so you can do some training and stuff you can drop a couple runes on the ground uh so we could use those to level up and now they, they have to be the consumable ones but yeah yeah, but if you have enough of those stocked up, because I find myself picking up a lot of those and forgetting about them and then realizing I have a bunch and using them like towards the realm of where I'm like, okay, I need a couple more thousand to level up. Then I'll see I have like 20 of those freaking golden runes just yeah. sitting in my inventory. I, I find they're best to use for that like top up, you know, so you can level up before because you don't want to go into a dungeon with, you know, 90% of a level in your pocket. You no, know? you don't. So I like to use them to top up before I go into, you know, some crypt or dungeon. Or if I find a vendor, sometimes I, I don't have any runes on me, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to like remember where you are. Right. So I just buy everything, which now with the new patch, once you've met a, an NPC, they show up on your map. I so noticed that you can just find all those vendors easily now. I wondered where that came from. I was like, I wonder if I picked up an item or something. But I guess, yeah, but you just said it just came with the patch itself. Actually, now that you mention it, that kind of surprises me that they didn't make it an item that you find later, you know? You know I mean, it would have made a sense. quill or something that you mark on your map where people are. Yeah, because in order to reveal the map, you have to find the map pieces. Right. In order for you to actually get a map, which is a frustrating part of the beginning of the game. <laughs> yeah. Before you realize that, you're like, I cannot find anything. And then well, you'll find a map and you'll be like, oh, that's why. And the one thing that they don't see there's some things that i'm not sure if they tell you or not because i mostly read all the tool tips but there are a couple that i was like oh yeah it's telling me about maps i get it click the button you know right there's an icon on the map that is a little like a, a obelisk and that's where maps are right so if you're in an area and you don't have the map yet you can look for that little obelisk you can put down a beacon which puts a big blue beam of light and a, a waypoint and you could just head right there yeah you're right you know what? i forgot about that that's what i started doing whenever i get to a new area is i could see the little picture of what looks like the obelisk on the map and i just put the beacon on that and go directly to it yeah because it'll reveal the rest of the area for you i mean it doesn't reveal the locations it just reveals the map itself without having that fog of war effect on it 
Yeah, but there's just something that just once once you have the 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 map and you can see the zone, it's just it's like a little weight's lifted off your shoulders. It just makes it yeah. that much easier to traverse, you know. Even though you're not checking the map constantly, it's not like you have a mini map or anything. It just you know the the awareness it gives you is a, a breath of fresh air. Right. All right, Asher. We've gone 30 minutes already. We haven't <laughs> actually done any of the lore. So. Yeah, we've dipped into a little bit. So, but you know, the first thing you do when you load up the game is you get this cutscene, right? Right. And it goes through a whole menagerie of characters, and you don't remember some of these characters, but they're all important, you know. And the first thing it shows you is the ring being shattered. There's a person sitting there smashing at an anvil like they're Gimli in Lord of the Rings, you know, like they're trying to break the ring. And they they do. And from what I've been able to gather is that's Merica, the the goddess Merica who had the ring shattering it herself. Now, why that's a little more fuzzy. It seems that she wanted to escape the power of the ring and let it take a new uh host or you know a new person to be able to pick up that power but it sounds like she couldn't get away from it on her own you know it's interesting because that makes it almost seem like it's not the person who's wearing the ring but the ring may have an effect where it's kind of controlling you right and then uh if you when when you get your companion oh man um I cannot think of her name right now. She offers to be your your maiden. Oh. Melina? What the heck is her name? That sounds right. Yes, or Melina. Men- I had to see. I, I had it written down. So it, when you go to bonfires in certain locations, sometimes the, or I'm sorry, Grace's, sometimes the option to talk to Melina will pop up. Yeah, I have noticed that. And she'll give you a little bit of information. It's never anything like, really about the game and it's never like well I'm, I'm sorry it's never like oh hey you should go west and you'll find a sword or something like that you know so sometimes you read it and you don't really think much of it but where there there are churches of america and one of those churches when you talk to melina she says hey do you want to know something america has said and you know i, I think she says this is a quote or this is word for word but she goes on to explain that the tarnished were expelled and stripped of their grace. That's interesting. So I don't think sounds, I've had that conversation yet. Yeah. Any of the churches, Molina will have a conversation with you if you ask. Right. She gives a little bit of the war. But it sounds like the the tarnished were like um, America's like personal like guard or soldiers or something. And she stripped them of their grace and then sent them to other lands to fight and conquer. And then, I, so I think she did that and then shattered the ring to uh, kind of draw the tarnished back. Uh, you know, because gold can tarnish the Elden Ring, it's made of gold, the Golden Order, right. you know. So I, I don't think they were the tarnish at the time, you know. I haven't figured out what their name was yet, but that's what they, they're all brought back and then they all see the guiding light of grace, which is this golden energy that kind of like directs you towards a great room. Yeah, which is kind of how the game goes too. 
where you find right. all the sites of grace and stuff. So, um, you know, you, you wake, um, uh, first thing after you get through all the cutscenes is your character comes to an crypt and you, you walk out and you kind of walk around and you end up fighting an enemy. And if you're really, really, really good at the game, uh, that might not be enough release. You can beat it. <laughs> I got Otherwise, it. With the uh, samurai class and the bow, I got it to within like a quarter of the health the last time I started a new class. It was Ooh. like I came so close there. Now, there, there is a nice reward for defeating it. Oh, I believe it. Because I know in Dark Souls 1, when you def- if you defeat that first demon early, you get his great hammer. Right. So I fi- that was why I wanted to try. Because I was like, there has to be something you get for killing this earlier. But I think coming to in that crypt is you traversing between the worlds. You know, you coming back from whatever world you were sent to conquer back to the lands between. I mean, that makes sense because it's the lands between worlds. So maybe she is essentially in another world. Right. And no matter how you go about getting out of this area, you beat the enemy, you uh, fall off a cliff, it defeats you. You fall down into the ocean and you're swept up into a cave. And there you hear a voice and you're nuzzled by who you find, you know, not too much later to be Torrent. Right. Uh, You know, kind of like, oh, there's one here. Maybe this is the one, you know, and you come to and you go through the cave and you can do the tutorial area and learn a little more about how to control the game. Or you can just work your way out and just break right into the world of Elden Ring, you know, come out right in the middle of Limgrave. Yeah. And, uh, the first person you see coming out of there is Vare, who is kind of condescending, you know? I know. don't know a lot about him, but he's definitely, you know, going to point out that, hey, you're here, you're, you're chasing Grace, but you don't have a maiden. Like, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, and side note, don't attack him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't done it, but I saw someone try to attack him on YouTube, and they got completely destroyed. <laughs> Yeah, he, you can, like, if you come back a little stronger, you can take him out. But he's the first person that is part of a group that you meet. And there is quest with him. Whenever you progress in the game, always go back to anybody that's talked to you about something in that. If you beat a boss in an area, go back to every NPC that's mentioned that boss in that area and talk to them again. It's like an old RPG, you know? You yeah, I've been doing that with him for sure. Everybody. So, you know, he, he's part of a faction, which you discover more later. But, you know, you talk to them and then he kind of tells you how to follow Grace. You know, tells you about that that uh, glowing light and you go to the next place and it's a old church. And it's where you meet the merchants. You meet Kale. And he, again, tells you a lot of stuff. Um the character that you had been talking about, uh, Blyde, yeah, you meet because you hear a whistling, or I'm sorry, a howling. Yeah, and then you go back and talk to that first merchant. Yeah, yeah. If you actually go back and talk to Kali, he gives you an emote to call down Blyde. So th- there's this, you know, whole like connecting of all these characters through these these little interactions, right? But the neat thing about Kale and that hasn't been in the other games is he and the other merchants sell these notes and some of them give you direction to treasure. 
some of them just give you a little background on an enemy like uh kale cells i think he does the one about land spurts which are those gross growths coming out of the swamp that just kind of spew poison and flail about yeah the ones that spurt all over you nice callback (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly um but it's it's kind of cool because those notes are some of the more accessible lore without having to hunt down an item and you know whatnot because like you know with your bloodhound armor right you'll usually you'll get the armor you'll hit the button to flip over its little card and you read the back tells you a little about the bloodhound right so does the sword so does an emblem so does oddly enough a you know a throwing consumable like a you know a pot of oil or something you know and that's what's hard to hunt down in these games to kind of piece everything together that's why it takes so long to get the the war build up yeah because you have to hunt down like very specific things right um so there's a lot of players in Wimgrave, and that's that's the nice thing because like it said that you you kind of meet a lot of factions there um you and i had been talking a little before this before we recorded about uh kenneth height and how he's a, a yes. warm uh, lord of Wimgrave. he's not the ruler though no and yet. he wants to be yes he does uh, and he's got a castle that he wants to you know take back but the godric soldiers godric um the golden he's you know the the ruler of all or uh seems to be um he's got soldiers there so he's kind of pushing out the other lords it seems you know you can work with kenneth to take back his hold but you still don't give him a real good foothold in the world no and it's interesting because then when you follow him back he says that he thought that he could be the ruler but he can't and he wants to find like someone who can be the ruler. So I wonder if that's another part of that quest that I just need to find someone. Because he makes a very like descript, like a very in detail description of who should be the next ruler. So the, and I wonder if it's is, someone I haven't found yet. Uh, you may have found them. And this is where it's a little funny because when you're going through that tutorial or not tutorial, that opening uh, credits when you know the loathsome dung eater, you know, Sir Gideon the All Knowing. <laughs> I'm glad I haven't found Dung Eater yet. That's the grossest <laughs> name I've ever heard. Oh, he'll find you. Um, I believe it. Uh, Gideon, you meet when you go to the round table hold. You meet yep. Dung Eater. Um, Gold Mask is in the game. All these characters are in the game. There's one that's mentioned by their actual name and not the title they go by. Hmm. And if you like, you almost should load up a new character just to watch that that, that thing and just like really go through and just watch. And the number of things it tells you, that's the thing, it doesn't tell you a lot, but it just, it just stitches together one more piece that helps pull that puzzle, you know? Yeah. That's the thing about these games is that it gives you a little bit at a time and you have to, I mean, a lot of the lore and stuff, like we were saying earlier, is pretty much speculation. Right. based off of what you're reading no one really knows what their intention is or even if they really intended for the even be lore to begin with aside from what they were just writing about things oh i'm sure they, may... they have an overarching lore and i'm sure they have like a direction like they know but they're just sitting there in, in the, the development studio cackling at us like ah, ha, ha, look at those fools you yeah, know i was gonna say sometimes i wonder if they like doing it to just leave it up to the player's speculation yeah i think so 
like and, make your own decision on where this is going. We're not going to tell you if it's right or wrong, but we're just going to let you have your own fun deciding. <laughs> for sure. Um, so Limgrave, you know, it's it's full of all these factions that you don't even realize are factions right away. Um, invasions, you know, from NPCs, they have uh, right. certain titles to their name, unique characters that later on you bump into them again and you're like, oh, you're much different than I thought you were, you know? Or, you know, interactions you can have where, you know, you're like, oh, this is a nice guy. And then you find out more about him. Um, there is a river where you'll be invaded by a bloody finger. Yes, I think. I've gone yeah. through that. Well, if you, you know, survive long enough, you get a cooperative invasion. You know, you get a helper. Uh, Yura, I believe. He's yeah, the, the bloody hunter of bloody hunter. fingers. Yep. Yeah. And he mentions that there are more bloody fingers. And there are a few other bloody fingers that show up through your play for playthrough. A now, lot of areas. Yeah. There is ways to, eh, I don't know if I want to say join them, but like they're a faction you can interact with more, you know? Where oh, that's like interesting. Kenneth Height, you, you know, you clear his fort, you go back and talk to him. He offers you knighthood, but ah, ha, ha, not really. Um, yep, he realizes he can't knight you because right. he has nobody there to celebrate. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it's the, There's actually quite a few connections in Wimgrave that you'll catch on in the second playthrough or your new game plus or something, you know, because once you start building up the connections to the world, like, man, they really did lay a groundwork in Wimgrave. I just didn't know it. Right. Another thing I like is that when you go to that round table, Mm -hmm. um uh oh the guy that's wearing the the freaking royal remains armor which is like the coolest looking armor in the game to me i believe his name is ensha no yeah i think that's right yeah it's ensha it's something with an e but yeah you he eventually becomes one of the invaders after you find i don't remember what the specific item is i remember i I found it and i fast traveled back to the round table and was immediately attacked by him yep yeah if you talk to Gideon afterwards, yeah, he meant he apologizes. Yeah, he's like, Oh, yeah, sorry about that. I'd tell you more, but eh, they're dead anyways. So I guess that's dealt with. Yeah, that's basically what he says. And like when he said that, I was so frustrated because I'm like, No, you give me more information. Like, what is going on? Who did you, yeah, why who is did he, he work for? Me? But and there's uh, another one you can get attacked by in there too. If you jump down from the one balcony, it's like a frost mage guy that'll attack you. I did not find him until so much later. Uh, I found him pretty early on. He got destroyed. I had his full set of armor before I found out about him. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, multiple people, like, you know, watching playthroughs and reading some items and, like, talking to other people playing. They're like, yeah, that first invader in the hold. And I'm like, what? The, the, <laughs> the guy in the skeleton armor? They're like, no, no, that's the second one. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, and it wasn't until after I had gone back multiple times on another character. And I was like, wait, why are there blood stains here? Who's yeah. ju- jumping off to their death? No, they're not jumping to their death. They're fighting down there, which that is one of the other beauties of playing online is you can see other player messages, which usually is trolling, trolling. You know, there are some <laughs> that are helpful. Notorious Dark Souls trolling. Yes. Uh, but the blood stains I find to be incredibly helpful. You know, you you walk down a ha- hallway and there's nothing, nothing, nothing. Then there's ten blood stains. You're like, oh, 
I should click on one of these and see where they die. Now, sometimes they roll back behind you and they're fighting something up the stairs. You just came down. You're like, okay, that doesn't help me, but it does at least give you a heads up that like, Hey, death happens here. Yeah. And if you're playing offline, you just jumped on that balcony. You don't really know it's coming. No, no. you're just kind of in a situation. You're like, Oh crap. this guy has frost spells, which I wasn't prepared for at the time. (laughs) I did eventually go back and get my revenge, which is kind of the, the main thing with this game is something that you can't kill right now. You will definitely be able to kill later and get your revenge. And it's very, very sweet revenge when you do. Yeah. On my new character, I stop by every once in a while, every couple levels and I go and give him a shot and I still haven't taken him out yet. So he's uh, tough. Frost buildup is no joke when it, when it hits and ticks over, it does a lot of damage. Yeah. It's not fun. I think I, the blood fang is what got me through him just because it does so much damage that once I'm able to kind of dodge through his frost and hit him right. with a couple strong attacks or even a light attack with that thing, it's pretty much taking his health down. Yeah, It's so kind of how I got him. The, the real final thing I have for, you know, uh, Limgrave and Stormvale, other than, you know, there's a lot of groundwork that's laid there. There's a lot of little bits that you, you pick up. It, it's, it's putting together the border of the puzzle. You still don't know what it looks like, right? but you've got a good basis, is when you actually get to Stormvale Castle, you can't go in until you take care of Margit the Fell. Yes. And he seems to be waiting for you. He's up on the ramparts, and he comes at you with such an attitude like he's, you know, a lord of some sort. He's freaking but ridiculous too. He he Let's, is he is ridiculous with his magic hammer and throwing knives and, but he he's uh, he talks about oh you're tarnished yeah well I'll just stop you here kind of thing, and it's like well there's there's got to be a reason why is he doing this you know why is he so powerful but he's not the ruler you know no Godric is right right so like there's there's more to Margaret there has to be more to Margaret uh, but he's kind of an anomaly at first you know and then you 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 work your way through you finally get to the godric and uh godric the grafted that is that is a horrible name for a disgusting I, enemy i hate that <laughs> he um he gathers up tarnished that come into the keep and there's a lot of people out there that kind of direct you towards stormvale yeah. Some may not have the best intentions. Uh, others are fearful of being grafted, but they kind of hope they can be someday, which is a little weird. That girl. There's yeah. that girl that sends you in there, and she wants you to pass on a message for her, and then she eventually is able to strengthen your ashes Yes, at yeah. the round you, table. You, you can strengthen her resolve and you know show her, hey, you don't really want to just be sewn onto someone else. Yeah, which is really creepy to think about. Yeah, but that that's what they do. They collect up tarnished and, you know, the ones that, you know, can't get away, they, you know, stitch them on to, you know, the grafted scion and onto Godric himself. They were strong enough and which is why he has like 50 heads or whatever or 50 yeah, arms. I don't think it's heads, I think it's arms. <laughs> there's definitely some body horror stuff going on there. But one thing I haven't been able to figure out with Stormvale yet is there's all these holes that are blasted into the outside of the keep. Like somebody a... tried to attack that. Yeah, it looks like, you know, some kind of like, you know, anime battle suit came in with its laser cannons blowing holes in it. But all the holes have these like thorny vines growing about. Yes. Them, and they're all over the like 
the soldiers that seem to be kind of crazed and stuff. So I'm, I'm not sure if that's some kind of curse, if that's something coming from Margit, because, you know, he's got all those horns and thorns and stuff. Or you know, That would actually be interesting. What if he was to trying it? to overthrow Godric? Maybe, maybe. Uh, it, it's something that I'm hoping, you know, as we get further in the game, you know, maybe uh, maybe we meet him again because there does seem to be this theme of reoccurring characters, you know. It never seems to be you, you stick them in the ground once and they stay there. Yeah, I have a feeling that's not the last because he still talks to you after he's supposedly dead. Yeah. This is a whole thing of him still talking. I'm like, yeah, we haven't seen the last of this guy. Yeah, he, he's quite magical. So I'm sure he got away somehow. And I wonder if they also came from America at all, or if they were just in this world. And whenever it's, she cast everybody out, they got some of the powers. That's it, where some of the speculation could come from as well. Yeah, it's possible because like America's consort was uh, Godfrey. And like the other Souls games, they like to keep a name as part of the lineage. So Godric is descendant of Godfrey, you know? Interesting. So it, it could be, you know, maybe uh, Margaret has something to do with that and maybe that's a false name or not his full name or you know have you had knows. any issues yet of just wanting to call him Margaret because I have <laughs> uh, I got through that at the beginning because it was a real common thing you know watching other streamers and stuff everybody was calling him Margaret and I'm like there's not even enough letters for that so for me, I didn't get stuck on that because I was constantly trying to correct other people. I don't know why that bugged me so much, you know? Right. Like, I knew because I could see that it was spelled different, but it just sounds so similar that it just comes out. And then uh, by the end, you're using it as an insult because you really don't like to fight it. Right, right. <laughs> you're like, come on, let's go, Margaret. <laughs> just and, try and to antagonize him. There are so many names that are similar, so. I would like to know, I don't know if there's any information on this, but I would like to know in terms of Lord Godric, with some of his lore, I would like to know how he's able to just stab his hand into that freaking dragon, and the dragon just willingly lets him use it. Oh, well, so in, I would say this is part of Limgrave, there is a dragon communion altar. Yes, and I do there, know about that. Yeah, so there are ways to, like, take on the aspect and the powers of a dragon, and I mean, the guy is made up of arms and legs. Like, they're all sewn onto him. And some of them he has complete control over. Right. So there's got to be some kind of magic to that. You know, they can't just be sewn on. You it, know, I actually... has got to be some magic imbuing it. I did learn... I was playing earlier, and I, the guy that tells you about the first dragon, he kind of mm -hmm. looks like the Bloody Fingers guy. Uh, I did... Yeah, I finally went back to him today and talked to him, and he was talking. He tells you about the dragon community altar, but he also mentions how communing with those dragons and devouring those hearts is also going to eventually like devour you. Yep. So and I thought that was a very interesting. NPC. I you thought can, it was because he looked yeah, the same. Yeah, you you can meet him in uh, three different spots in Limgrave, you know, and you know one spot is him talking to you about the bloody fingers and congratulating you one is talking about the dragons and warning you to stay away from that lake yeah and then the other is during the invasion where he comes to help you yeah so, i like because there's he gives a little bit of lore there basically saying like the more that you commune with the dragons the more it's going to have an effect on you yeah. in like a negative way it's like you're getting sure their that. power but it's at a cost basically like the cost of your own soul yeah. that's kind of how i took it
yeah, that's how I take it too. Um, I don't, I haven't played around with any of the dragon stuff. Like I've picked, purchased a few, but yeah. I haven't used them because I haven't had a playthrough yet where I've leveled up any like intelligence or faith. So I did that before I respect. I used the first one, the fire one. Okay. And it literally, like when he says about commuting, no, it literally turns like the top, like your head into the dragon and breathes fire. It's pretty that's, cool to look at. That's pretty cool. Like the, that, that's a step beyond Skyrim, if you ask me. Yeah, it's literally basically like more you're turning into the dragon. So that I wonder if that has something to do with what he's talking about. Maybe you in the lore, like the more you do, eventually you just become another dragon. I that would it, actually be kind of cool. I wonder if it marks you in some way, because like, you know, as you like hollowed in Dark Souls 3, yeah. you did change in appearance, you know, and there were certain uh, NPCs that would react to you differently or um, there, it would open up different dialogues and stuff. So. Huh. Yeah, he kind of hints at it almost like it's like you you'll become like the insatiable need for more and more dragon hearts, basically. Almost like a zombie to a certain extent, but you'll crave more and more of these hearts to well, maintain. That's cool. Yeah, it was that... really cool. I'm glad that you came, like you started talking about him because I was like, oh, that just brought to memory this little piece of lore. So Tony yeah. Z did find some lore today. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. But yeah, to 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 get the 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 lore you want, you know, you gotta be a little imaginative you got to maybe take some notes and you got to talk to everyone you yeah. hit a grace try to talk to melina you know you see an npc you talk to them you beat another npc or you know they they, they mentioned something about the on the other side of the you know continent you go back and you talk to the person you know when yeah. in doubt go back to the first couple people go back to vari go back back to uh, kale and talk to them they're there as your first contacts you know they'll guide you on a few things yeah and a lot of them will tie into we're not going to get into it because it's the caleb region but a lot of them of these npcs and some of them i hadn't even found yet whenever you get to the radon boss fight there's like mm -hmm. a bunch of npcs and like a couple of them are i think they're probably all npcs that you should have met by the time you get there yeah so as far as i can tell if you haven't met them in the world yet they're like ghostly yeah they're just kind of like red. You can't really talk to them. Yeah. So like going there is almost like a checklist. Like you get there and you're like, oh, man, I've, I've missed those couple, right? Yeah. I realized I only talked to like three and there's like seven. <laughs> and I think uh, when I went there, I had done some other stuff and I had killed a guy. And I think it removed him from oh. that festival. So yeah, which you essentially can, removed him as the summon for the boss I, fight. Yeah, I think so. So I think you can negatively impact that area if you go a little brutal. I mean, I do. I actually like that aspect of the game too. Like you could talk to the people to get more lore, but you can essentially pick a fight with anyone. Yeah, uh, it may so, not go your way, but you. I think they're like that's always been a thing. Yeah, and what's one thing that's nice? You might feel bad afterwards, but any merchant, you can just merc them and yeah. take their bell bearing and turn it in at the round hold. Now, before this update, when you know you had to remember or mark where every merchant was, I, I could see some merit in doing that. But now I'm like, man, let that guy live his life. You just fast travel back to him when you need him. Yeah. Yeah, and I could see the point too because the bell bearings do open up new things at that, at those two whatever. What the frick are they? <laughs> <laughs> those are uh, uh, finger readers. And they're insane to hold your hand. 
Yeah, they are creepy looking. So if you've really looked at him, uh, she holds the top of her staff with her hand and the bottom of her staff with her foot. That's crazy. You know what yeah. they, you know what they reminded me of when I first looked at their faces is have you ever seen Beetlejuice? Yes. It's in Burger while, but yeah. When they open that door and the souls are kind of like floating and they have those like long, like Okay, yeah, yeah. Long zombie like that's what those things remind me of whenever I see them. Finger readers are uh a little crazy, but they're a good one to talk to too, because they kind of give you a direction to go. They give you a little bit of lore, but it's it's a real wild ride. Yeah, the merchant one. I don't think the merchant ones talk though. No, the 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 twin. Uh, yeah, readers, they don't talk. They don't talk. Those are the can, ones I was referring to. Yeah, you'll find them out in the world, and uh, it's always funny. Uh, tarnished. Oh, uh, let me let me see your hands. You yeah, know, like, I have found oh a few my. of those. <laughs> There's one right before the ca- or right by the castle. If you kind of venture off before you go in the fight, uh, Margaret. There's one. She's like on a broken down bridge, like towards the end of it. Yeah. And I think there's another one after that before you get into Lyurna, which we're not covering yet. So. Well, I, I <laughs> can't believe I didn't mention this, and we were just talking about them. They're called finger readers because they commune with the two fingers, which is <laughs> really perverted. <laughs> Yes, and what's really, really disturbing is when you find out that that's not a person. It's literally two fingers. Yeah, it's a giant two fingers. Uh, a set of, like, 12-foot-tall, hairy fingers. They look and really creepy. Yeah, they. it is, like, when that door finally opens, you go in there. It's it's not a good time. You you don't want to go back in there. They're, they're disturbing. But apparently, they are how... They're they're the communion path through whatever uh, divine grace, uh, you know, whatever the golden uh, light is that guides us to these finger readers. So I gotta be honest, I really don't want to know how they commune with the fingers. <laughs> I, you know, uh, you, you hit a point in the game where they <laughs> refuse to commune, and the fingers just go straight up. They're just pointing straight up and rigid, and it's. You know, almost like the nose up in the air kind of thing. Yeah, and you're like, I think I know why they're refusing you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. Um, which also apparently there's uh the three fingers. Now I don't know if that's the other two fingers and the thumb cut from like the same hand or what, because I have met the three fingers. But... I've only met the two. I haven't found the three one. Yeah, I, I don't know where they are, but I've heard people mention them that, you know, the guidance of the two fingers, you know, they're, they're, they're beyond their time. But the three fingers, now oh, the three weird. fingers will, will lead you. So, And they do kind of possess the finger readers, too, because there's a part where the finger readers voice will completely change into something else. And it's like the fingers talking to you. Now, see, that's something I haven't noticed because uh, I don't always play with my headphones on. So some of the little audio cues I miss. Yeah, I don't. I'm not playing with them either, but I noticed that the first finger reader that you meet whenever you first talk to her, she's kind of like talking to you and then her voice completely changes and it. And I'm like, okay, so that's the fingers talking to me through her. Oh, that's wild. I'm going to have to go and talk to some of them now. And then like, yeah, do really that again. Listen. You'll notice it. Her voice gets like deeper and more like almost more, a little, a little bit more masculine sounding. Like I'm going to go do it and I want to, but at the same time, it's creepy and I don't want to. <laughs> it's weird. You don't see the fingers moving. Like they're like, Puppet, puppeting up her which would be even more creepy <laughs> that was a statement uh i wish you hadn't said it but it was a statement i've got to mix some weirdness into the episode <laughs> we haven't done it yet 
that just ruined. I've got nightmares tonight now about two giant fingers using me as a puppet. <laughs> yeah, because there's only one place they can go, <laughs> and it's not a place that uh, anybody wants a finger going. <laughs> no, not not at that least, size. At least, not that size. That thing's like twelve feet tall. It'll come out your freaking mouth on the other. <laughs> now we had said we were going to have a, a war episode here, and. If you're used we to tried. some games like, you know, like a Bethesda game or, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Destiny or like, you know, Halo or, you know, Warhammer stuff, like where people have large amounts of lore and they have books out and, you know, we, we don't have that to go through. You know, no. a lot of it is, you know, speculative connecting until you, you know, finally get that puzzle piece that links one thing to another. You know, sometimes it's a it's a dagger you find jumping off of an elevator halfway down a shaft that, you know, tells you, Oh, so-and-so used to go by this name. And then it just unfolds a whole new world to you. So uh, hopefully you guys, you know, bear with us a little bit as we stumble through the beginning of the war and kind of work through as it unfolds with you. So. Yeah. And bear in mind that I would like to do other lore episodes as well on other games. So at some point we will do some of that. Yeah, it, lore dives are some of my favorite things, you know. Uh, That's originally what I wanted this show to be. I mean. When it started. It, we, we'd have to pick some and, like, yeah. really go to it. You know, let's say we went with, like, you know, Elder Scrolls Online or something. We'd have to pick an area. Because yeah. the, the lore and something like that is so expansive. Well, I already you know? know one that I really want to cover, which is Silent Hill. Oh, yeah. oh that'd be great. Because the horror ones. Those are ones that I could definitely go into because they're some of my favorite games. There's that, there's Fatal Frame with all the different ghosts and like the real life comparisons that they have to some of their locations would be really cool as well. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, we might have to trade back and forth uh, with one of us going in a little, uh, not necessarily totally blind, but coming in with, you know, the lesser knowledge and one with, uh, you know, more of the the gameplay and, uh, you know, knowing what's going on. So. That may be what this show, that sh- the, this show in general is, with the exception of like the Game Pass picks of the week and what we've been playing. If we can start narrowing those sections down to being a little bit shorter, then we could start turning this into a lore show. And exactly. each week, one of us can come up with the lore topic and go over it. And then the yeah. other one can like ask questions and joke around and stuff. That was kind of what I think that's what I told you the show was going to be when you first came on. Uh, and then maybe. it just morphed into other stuff. Yeah, well, it, we're, it's growing. It's amorphous still, you know still finding my way this is basically what it is it's like every podcast that i had an idea for all combined into one so that i can narrow everything into one podcast so whenever i've got a new idea it just comes to infinite journeys now. hey it gives you lots of options so yeah that's pretty much what i tell you i'm like all those other crazy ideas i have i've just kind of morphed them all into one and then asher's coming in to join me for the fun <laughs> hey it's a great time I guess that'll do it for this part one of Elden Ring. I don't know if we'll do a part two of Elden Ring next week or not. Depends on how much we've dived in. Maybe we'll switch it up and cover something else. Yeah, I know. Uh, depends on how much up. we have for like gameplay and stuff too. Because there's a couple of games I know we're both uh, interested in getting into. Uh, check out. So, yeah, that actually I didn't do the Game Pass pick of the week for this week. Um, I didn't really play anything new, but there was a game I played a while back. And I think I even tried it on my YouTube channel called Blood Roots. That's going to be, Asher, I know you didn't get a chance to pick anything this week, but I wanted to throw out that that is an awesome game to check out if you are a Game Pass subscriber. It's like a top-down, one hit kills every enemy, but one hit also kills you. And it's actually really interesting. You're kind of, you're almost like a barbarian Viking style, dude. And you get various like insane weapons, like giant swords and other kind of weapons that you can fight with throughout the game. It's a lot of fun. Sounds pretty cool. 
yeah, you're doing like a lot of looting. You're picking up various weapons just to see what they do. Like, I think I've even killed a dude with a freaking giant turkey. Like it was like a whole turkey, and I just smashed it on the oh, guy. Not just him. the turkey leg, but the whole turkey. Yeah, the whole tur- like a like if it was to come out of the oven, and you just see, yeah, and I just smashed him with it. That's that's ridiculous. I, I love it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So definitely check it out if you get the chance. But I guess that'll do it for this episode. It's not a two-hour episode, but like I said, I knew we were going to be doing Elden Ring lore, but I, at the same time, I was like, this is going to be all over the place because your boy, it's hard to find. It, it's hard to find. It's hard to piece together. And like, you know, th- there's a little more I could go in on some of those things, but it, it just takes you, you know, further in the game. You know, we'll get there step by step or we won't. We'll go somewhere else. We'll see. Yeah. Just uh, keep leaving those reviews. Let's mention that. Keep leaving the reviews and rating the show. That'll really help us, especially on iTunes. That's the biggest place, I think, is like yeah. iTunes and Spotify to really get known right now. And reviews is kind of like your ability to steer the show. You know, when you leave a review and you tell us, you know, what what was exciting, what was enjoyable, that lets us know, hey, let's do more of that. You know, so. Uh, right. Yeah. You want more Elden Ring lore? Jump in there and you leave a couple of reviews. Here's something I didn't get to mention you. I've found out recently that we've got, we've now got listeners in different countries, quite a few different countries. Oh, nice. Including Canada, Germany, Spain, the UK, Ireland, Russia, Vietnam, Norway, and Australia. Diversified. I was like, holy I crap, we have officially gone worldwide. That, that's a lot of locations for you to misspeak in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. And I'm always like, can they like even understand what I'm saying half the time with the way I talk? It doesn't even matter if I'm speaking English or not. Well, I mean, sometimes I don't. So, I mean, I can't <laughs> hold them against if they don't. Sometimes I don't either. <laughs> but most of the times you catch it and you correct me, which is, hey, I just saw something very interesting. Oh. I just got something from my anchor when I was bringing that up that says we've got early access to video podcasts on Spotify. So now we could do video podcasts. Apparently. Oh, okay. Interesting. Might be something we have to check out. We'll see. Yeah, maybe in the future. Not right now, but maybe in the future. <laughs> but yeah, keep leaving those reviews. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. Your support has been amazing. We had a lot of fun last episode with Jessica Starr. So I'm hoping to have her on again. And when she does come on, we'll definitely do a Fallout themed episode next time for her. Absolutely. We'll catch you guys all next time. And until then, watch out for those two fingers. They can be deadly. <laughs> <laughs>